Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are so glad you are joining us for episode 135. We are recording this on Sunday, July 18th, 2021, at 3 o'clock Pacific time. I'm your host, Terry Plucknett. Joining me, as always, Todd Plucknett and Zach Saltz. Okay, uh, Zach, I'm going to go to you first here. Uh, What is a bigger mistake? Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway saying La La Land won Best Picture. Or Spike Lee revealing the Palm Door as the first event of the uh, award ceremony at Cannes yesterday. Uh, I actually have a third nominee, which is oh. uh, Zach Salt's not knowing that until Terry just mentioned that. What, what? happened? Uh, I didn't hear that either. <laughs> you didn't hear that? Oh yeah. So so they did the. All right. So Cannes awards awards last night or yesterday last night in France. Uh, yeah, that, no wonder you guys didn't text me back because I texted both of you about this. So I thought it, you were just drunk. No, oh, no. I so the can. A, I didn't so get a text from you. <laughs> oh, anyway, so so yeah, the so like the can awards show, and uh, and the presenter or the the host or whatever throws throws it to the, the jury's like sitting up there and says and asks Spike Lee, okay, what's the first category that we're presenting? And he stands up and says, um, the Palm d'Or winner is, and then, and then says it. And they're like, no, that's not what she said. It was the first thing. The first thing announced was what won the Palm d'Or, which oh, was, right. I, I forget what it was called. Titani. Uh, yeah. He said Titan. Uh, that's what he said. He what? stands up and goes, the Palm d'Or winner is Titan. And they're like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> So, yeah, I, I forgot a text from you about that. I think oh, there are yeah. multiple multitudes to this story because, first of all, the fact that Terry was watching the Cannes Film Festival not it was all over was the it was all over the internet last night. And then, see, I just thought, well, I, like I said, I thought you were drunk, but I also thought you were talking about Spike's intro to the basketball, the NBA Finals, and so I thought, well, maybe he just meant to send this last night. Like I, I had no clue that that was the context you were uh, addressing. Spike Lee. Yeah, no, it, it, it was quite the trending topic online on the interwebs yesterday. I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, that's true. You aren't. You aren't. So, but I thought I thought you guys would have at least heard about it. Anyways, we have lives, Terry. <laughs> if so, since you haven't seen it, you're going to have to look it up. Uh, it, it was it apparently was quite the it looked like quite the moment there. And and there there was like interpreters in, involved too because you know it's France and stuff and it's Spike Lee and yeah, all right. Well, then never mind. Obviously, <laughs> you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. I mean, for all we know, you could be making this up. In which case, yeah. this would be very elaborate and sophisticated. And you know, hands off to you. hands hand you know hands off to you. Is that what they say? Hats, Hats off. off. Hats off. Hands off. Just let me, you know, pull a Luke Skywalker here and throw my hand at you. Yeah. Okay. Well, screw that. Lovely. <laughs> Colin Morikawa. How about that? Colin Morikawa. I should yeah. put a bet on him to finish in the top 20. So, I mean, that was the easiest cash I've had in a long time. 
<laughs> nice, nice. I also yeah. don't know that reference. So I don't live in, in the world that you guys live in. Golf. Must be. Golf. British oh. Open finished up this morning. Colin Morikawa won. I think Bill Murray might have been able to beat him on that golf course, but <laughs> maybe we'll get into that later. Well, he is undefeated and untied. So, all right. Well, uh, lovely. Zach, what are you drinking? <laughs> Terry's. You thought about this one, Terry. You you, you did, did some planning. I'm like, this you is were such excited a great to bring this topic, topic to talk up. about, and you and guys I, have no idea what I'm talking about. You just didn't want to bring up the fact that last week at this time, I accurately predicted that Milwaukee would get back in the series, and you thought it was like going to be a clean sweep for Phoenix. So, uh, cheers to me. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm drinking the Ad Astra uh, Amber Ale from Free State Brewery. Shocker. There you go. You didn't put up the Bill Murray thing either. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There it yes. is. Yeah, and that would have been appropriate. See, your mind was fixated on Spike Lee when you should have been thinking about Bill Murray. Uh, is this the first Bill Murray movie we've deep divin dove? Yeah, I think so. Wow. I think I think so. I think so. Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, I have a Manhattan. Shaking, right. not stirred. Isn't that Don Draper's drink? Or or is his an old-fashioned? I think he drinks an old-fashioned. I think Manhattan is a little too masculine for me. All right. I, I have a beer from the brewery. However, it's not it's not a Ridgewalker beer. It's uh but this is um uh we don't need no stinking hops. And it's it's a juicy IPA with tangerine. And uh yeah, it's not hoppy at all. And uh, it's actually got quite a quite a fruit finish to it because of, of the lack of hops. So, well, but it still looks like a very much either in the movie. True, that's very true. Mm -hmm. Very true. Movies. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, make sure that you are subscribing, rating, reviewing all over the internet, wherever you can find the podcast: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, Spotify. Find us on YouTube. One of our hosts pays attention to Twitter. Yes, yes. <laughs> Someone on here pays attention to the Twitter account, so you can uh, at least hear back from somebody if you go there. Man, gosh. Okay. You just completely threw me off in the fact that like the biggest news of the of the like month so far in movies was the Palm Door gaff, and neither of you had even heard about it. Okay. I just want to know why I didn't get your text. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, that's that was like Spike Lee, man, questions. crazy. And I said, yeah, I sent it to you like yesterday afternoon. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. All right. Uh, let's go into what we've been watching. And let's start with Zach and his Criterion Watch. All right. Well, as we all know, it is half off month at Barnes and Noble for Criterion. Oh, yes. I need to take advantage have, of that. Yeah, I have to uh, exercise self-discipline or else I'm just going to lose all my money. I mean, I usually do anyway, but I like to hold off until at least the second or third week of the month. Uh, I couldn't resist, though. Uh, my first uh, purchase uh, this month is a classic movie that Todd is a fan of. I'm a fan of, although I hadn't seen it in a really long time. It is Streetwise by Martin Bell from 1984. And, you know, I don't really love um, doing this segment talking about movies I've already seen. But what's unique about this package that Criterion released is it actually has a sequel 
to Streetwise, a documentary from 2016 entitled Tiny, The Life of Aaron Blackwell, which I had never seen before. A little bit of background on Streetwise. Uh, it is a documentary um, that was um, inspired by a series of photographs taken for Life uh, magazine by a photographer named Mary Ellen Mark. And uh, these photographs were of um, homeless kids in Seattle. And it wasn't just on the fringes of Seattle. These kids were like at Pike's Market. I mean, they were like, you know, in the in main areas of Seattle in the early 80s. And so Bell and Mark went to Seattle and uh, spent weeks getting to know these kids, getting to hear about uh, why they're on the street. Many of them actually had um, family units that they were still in contact with. It wasn't that all of them necessarily ran away, although some of them did. Um, for some of them, it was a very kind of glamorous life it, to, to some degree, kind of living, um, you know, in these abandoned like warehouses. Um, many of the girls were prostitutes. Many of the boys wanted to become pimps. Uh, I, there's no real main character in it, but one of the characters that they've stuck with was uh, this girl named Tiny, who's on the front cover here. And she was actually one of the few kids to get out of um, that life. Uh, which is just uh, horrific to watch. I mean, it is, I, uh, it's a staggering documentary. I think I saw it when I was in middle school or high school on VHS. It had never really been available. I don't even know how Todd saw it. I'll be curious to hear it. Uh, it's one of the all-time great documentaries, a four-star documentary. Now, the sequel um, is really interesting because I kind of thought in the first 10 minutes, well, okay, it's sort of like, it feels almost like a Blu-ray or DVD extra feature. It's about how Tiny uh, is now a woman in her 40s. She still resides in the Seattle metropolitan area, uh, but she has 10 kids. And she, her life has been a, a series of struggles. Uh, you know, she was a teenage mom. She was a drug addict. Uh, she's still an addict and her kids are addicts. And, um, but what is really interesting about the documentary about Tiny as an adult is that uh, it is very much about the opiate crisis and the meth crisis uh, in the United States. And all of her children are biracial and it's, there's very much a, a racial component to it as well. It is a fascinating documentary and I don't wanna say too much about it because I want Todd to watch it because uh, you, know, uh, you should go into this sort of blind not knowing exactly what happens to these characters. I think Streetwise and Tiny are the closest things we have to an up series in the United States. Of course, the Up series chronicled the lives of those kids as they aged every seven years in Britain. And this is the closest thing we have. And the Blu-ray is great because it actually goes, it shows you some of the short projects that uh, Bell and Mark also worked on, principally with Tiny, but with a few other characters like Rat and a couple others um, over the years as they actually became adults. Um, it's tragic. And Tiny kind of talks about how, you know, she still um, thinks uh, about how glamorous her life was on the street in the original movie. That tells you everything you need to know about uh, how basically dis disruptive and dysfunctional these these lives are. And it's a tragedy, but, but this is incredible, impactful documentary filmmaking. So this, to me, is the Criterion release of the year so far. This is an amazing work by Criterion. Shout out. Amazing work. Keep it going. Until October, right? Oh, of course. Well, that's the other announcement is that Uncut Gems <laughs> is coming out in October and we'll have a fangasm then, too. But so far, this is this is the uh, best picture winner of the 2021 Criterion Release Awards. Yeah, I I, I have not seen the sequel, obviously, but yeah, uh, Streetwise is one of the great documentaries ever made. I believe I watched it on YouTube <laughs> the first time I saw it, because why wouldn't it be available on YouTube? Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I echo everything you said. I that that's an amazing movie, and I would, yeah, it's always been one that I've been curious what happened to those guys. S similar to when I first watched Hoop, Hoop Dreams or something like that, you know, it's like I want to know what happens to these people. 
yeah, it, it's absolutely worth your time. It sounds <laughs> devastating. It does. It is depressing too, but it's also there's full. It's full of life. It's a great portrait of Seattle during that time. I think it's one of the all time great Seattle movies. It's it's an astonishing uh, documentary work, and it did not win best documentary at the Oscars that year. Do you know what did Todd that beat it? Oh, uh, the Times of Harvey Milk. That's correct. Which is a good documentary, but frankly, nothing close to this movie. Although interestingly, Times of Harvey Milk is also available on Criterion. All right. All right. Well, uh, since you're talking about a Seattle movie, let's go to the guy who's got Mr. Sonic behind his head and a Seattle Sonics jersey on. Not not just the Seattle Sonics jersey. You, you got you got to give a little bit more to, to what we can't see there, Todd. Kevin Durant. <laughs> He's here for one year. <laughs> All right. Well, Todd, it, it, it's to you now. And I mean, I don't know what we're doing because you watched the last Cager. Well, last there week, is a movie so... in the theaters starring Nicolas Cage that I thought came out next week, but it was this week, so I watched it. Oh! So I had to represent Seattle also because this movie is set in Portland. It is Pig, directed <laughs> by Michael Sarnowski, and Nicolas Cage plays this guy named Rob who is a successful truffle hunter in the wilderness in Oregon somewhere, and his pig seems to be like the secret to his success, and he sells these truffles to this sort of like hotshot guy from the city named Amir played by Alex Wolf. You might remember him from like Hereditary. But he um, re receives the necessities in return. He doesn't receive money. He gets like canned food and he gets batteries for his cassette playing boombox. And then one night his pig is abducted and he's just like devastated and he gets, gets help from Amir to go track down the perpetrators by going into the city and into like this really disturbing underworld of Portland that, from which Rob has long left in the past. And uh, the more details you get about the situation and the characters, the more like enthralling this movie gets because it is really good. Uh, there's a little bit of like Cliff Booth and Brandy to uh, Nick Cage and his pig. Uh, I've actually learned in the credits that the pig's name is Brandy, which I was really shocked when I saw that and I was pretty proud of myself for making that connection. Uh, Nicolas Cage, uh, he is amazing and incredibly sensitive in this movie. He's like really kind of tortured and you can feel it. I mean, it's, it's one of the most impactful quiet performances he's given since Joe. And it's one of the, and that, which is one of the only Nicolas Cage movie that has anything close to this tone. He's like mysterious, but he's super intense, but also kind of likable and warm. It's a really high war performance and uh, the main reason to see this movie. Um, the story overall, it has some like humorous parts, but that's almost like situational things when you realize like the, the parallels the movie kind of has to stuff like the family man and gone 60 <laughs> seconds in like the really most demented ways. There's also some like hostile type things going on, a little bit of breaking bad, definitely a lot of a history of violence, uh, which is better than like the stupid fish out of water thing that it probably was trying to set up, but it, it didn't because it was way more interesting than that. But the easiest comparison is leave no trace and not just because it was in Oregon and the setting, but like the uniqueness and polished nature of the directing of this movie really reminded me of a Deborah Granick movie or like a Colby Zhao movie. It's um, it's more about like dealing with loss and regret than it is about like the thriller elements of the story and about death. Um, obviously, Nick Cage is great. Alex Wolf, I feel like he's like the next Max Minghella because he's also a director too. Adam Arkin is awesome in his part, and then this guy named David Nell has like one of the best five minute performances in several years. And as as it was getting to the end, the, the the crowd I watched it with, while smaller, was sobbing. 
like the guy behind me kept trying to laughter like some serious scenes but then he was like audibly crying during the final scenes and this is exactly why you got to appreciate Nicolas Cage is because this is a tiny movie that would probably never have been seen if he didn't put his name on it and it would have had some like bullshit recast like a Brian Garrity or something like a replacement level actor who and this movie would never be seen by anybody but it's an astonishing movie because, and it's because Cage decided he was going to do it and it, he has like one of these like every five years or so with some really ambitious movie and this is one of his best movies it's also the directorial debut by Sarnowski and uh, I think we'll absolutely be hearing from him in the next uh, you know, few years with his with a big with, with a, a lot bigger budget studio drama that he can make this is number five on the cager it's number it's three and a half stars putting it in between adaptation and red rock west number five top five cage movie wow. of all time yeah that, that's impressive that's impressive what is the top five then let me pull up my official rankings <laughs> We should just guess this Adam Daly style. I bet we could get this. Okay. So should we it. try? Should we try? Okay. Leaving Las Vegas has to be one. Yeah. That is correct. And and Peg is Peg is five, five, and you said adaptation is four. four. So we so need two and three. Matchstick Men is probably two. That's correct. Bringing out the dead. Bringing out the dead is number nine. Uh, no, it's in the top ten. The uh, I'm thinking like something older. Um, no, I mean, number three is kind of a cheat. I told you guys about it a few weeks ago, actually. Oh, oh. <laughs> what is it? What was it? Grindhouse. Oh, grind. Oh, yeah, that that's cheating. Okay. Just like Adam's list has a cheat on it for everyone. <laughs> well, he did. I, I mean, I had to include everything. <laughs> the rest of my top 10, uh, Red Rock West 6, Bad Lieutenant Protocol New Orleans 7, Moonstruck oh. 8, Bringing Out the Dead 9, Mom and Dad is 10. Oh, Mom and Dad's a great call. <clears throat> yeah pig you, you guys got to see it. it it is it's something else and you guys love portland i hate portland but uh this is a great <laughs> movie of in portland uh all right well let's get into my oscar anniversary watch all right guys we're going back 20 years to 2001 and this received one lone acting nomination Can I you figure it out? No, not that's I am good, Sam. Good guess. That is a good guess. I think that's that's coming up Sexy later beast? in the year. Sexy Beast. Oh. Yeah, Sexy Beast. Uh received a uh a supporting actor nomination for Ben Kingsley. Uh this is directed by Jonathan Glazer and starring Ray Winstone, Ben Kingsley, Ian McShane, as well as some others. Uh I went into this one. It's always fun to go into a movie knowing absolutely nothing. And that's what I did going into Sexy Beast. All I knew is the title, Ben Kingsley had an Oscar nomination, and the weird poster of Ray Winstone sunbathing. And that's all I knew. So uh, this is a story about a retired criminal, uh, like organized crime criminal, played by Ray Winstone, who uh, is being recruited to do one last job when Ben Kingsley comes and finds him in uh, in Spain somewhere to come back to England and do one last job. Uh, and Ian McShane is like the overall boss of, of what's going on. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm giving it three stars. It's, it's just a fun, good movie, uh, kind of this crime world. Ben Kingsley is insane. Uh, and him getting an Oscar nomination for this is pretty awesome. I, 
as I was watching it, I kept on thinking this is feels very much like what Hugh Grant did in the in the gentleman and just playing completely off type and being this guy who just kind of crashes the party and uh, and completely flips everything on its head and uh, and doing something completely unexpected. And that's what I felt when I was watching Ben Kingsley there. Uh, but yeah, three star movie. Uh, really good. Ray Winstone underrated actor and he really shows some great acting chops in in this uh he just kind of got typecast into playing these brooding criminals for the rest of his career but um it would have been nice to see him get some other stuff in uh so that's that i want to mention one other movie so i've been out of town quite a bit over the last week uh which meant i didn't get to watch a ton of stuff but i did have some plane rides to watch some stuff on and so on the first plane ride i watched the tomorrow war the new uh, Amazon Prime movie starring Chris Pratt and uh, let's see here, Chris Pratt and Yvonne Strahovski and J.K. Simmons. And this movie is pretty awesome. And it's it's really cool. So it's a sci-fi movie about uh, people kind of just living out their lives. And then all of a sudden, soldiers come from the future, from like 30 years in the future, and say are basically the planet has been attacked by aliens. We're about to lose. We need more soldiers. We need people from the past to come and fight in the war of the future to save your planet so that in 30 years we don't die off. And Chris Pratt plays a scientist. Uh, uh, well, he's a science teacher who wants to try and be like a more of a scientist type of guy, but he's also ex army. So he is a uh, ends up, getting recruited and when well, they do like a worldwide draft to send people back. And it's a really, really cool concept. The, the creatures that they're fighting are insane and creepy and awesome. And, uh, and everyone gives great performances in it. I'm giving it three stars. It really could be a three and a half star movie, except the third act kind of sucks and is really unnecessary. And if they had left it out, it would have been, like high three and a half potential top 10 movie of the year, but the third act is there. And so it's only a three star movie. Uh, but if you haven't watched it yet, it's, it's a straight to Amazon prime movie. And uh, it, it's definitely worth the watch, at least for the first two thirds of it. The third, the last third kind of ruins it a little bit, but it's still worth it. Did, have any of you guys watched the tomorrow war yet? I have not. Nope. Worth the watch, worth the watch for sure. Can we say a couple things about Sexy Beast? Yes, go ahead. Uh, I tried watching it, couldn't make it through it. Fell asleep after half hour. But I do remember that Ebert uh, gave his who should have won in 2001 supporting actor to Ben Kingsley. And I feel like that role maybe opened up more dynamic roles for him, like in The Wackness, which, oh, in which yeah. he's the, the high psychologist. And uh, yeah. So I guess it was good for that, but I was underwhelmed by it. I remember. Yeah. And it's impressive. He fell asleep because it's only an hour and a half long, but um, yeah, it's, it starts out really slow. And then when Ben Kingsley shows up, he shows up a little ways in and things kind of start getting interesting and the action doesn't really kick up until like the last 20 minutes or so, but it is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, when I was watching Ben Kingsley, all I could think of was, yeah, Hugh Grant, the gentleman, in a role like that. Todd, I know you've seen Sexy Beast, right? 
Yeah, I I kind of hate it, but I don't know. I mean, it's been a long time since I watched it. I did like Jonathan Glazer's last movie, uh, Under the Skin, but I I can't really. I I, I guess I would need to rewatch it because I mean, it, it does seem like it would be more of my kind of movie than that. But yeah, yeah. I had it like one and a half stars. Ooh, yeah, I I thought that would, this would be one that you would really like. Yeah, Jonathan Glazer's an interesting director. I I liked Under the Skin too, and I like Birth. He kind of feels like he's pulled a Todd Field and just have, has disappeared into the ether. And he had some interesting potential and visual style. So I I would definitely check out more of his movies if he actually was making them. I don't know. I should I guess I should look at his IMDb. I can't think of those are his only movies. Yeah, that's those three. Yeah. Oh wow. All right. Well, that is what we've been watching. Now it's time to get to our featured review. I love this movie so much. I did not really like this film at all. This is the most Zack movie ever made. You gotta see it. Movie reviews. From here on, through the rest of the podcast, we have kind of a, a theme going here. And that theme revolves around a 25th anniversary that also may have had a sequel, remake, spinoff. I don't know what you want to call it. But another one came out this weekend. We're talking Space Jam the rest of the time. And we're going to first review the new one. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Basketball camp is next weekend. You got amazing potential on the court. And I can help you get there. That's not what I want, Dad. You never let me do what I want to do. You never let me just do me. Hold up. Wrong floor. That Will Smith ain't got to deal with this. What in the Matrix hell? Welcome to the space. The space. The space. Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. Wait! this ah! <sighs> I'm a cartoon me what's up doc Come on and ride, baby, ride. I need to assemble an elite team to help give my son back I know what you're looking for a dream team Mom, shoot the ball let's try that again shall we King James. Welcome to the Space James. Introducing the Goon Squad. You gotta win this game. Let's end this. And get our son back. Yikes. <laughs> Classic. Welcome to the space camp. I'm the 
starring the one and only LeBron James. Uh, Todd, I'm going to go to you first on this. Uh, tell us all about uh, Space Jam 2 and what it's about and what you thought. Okay. It is directed by Malcolm D. Lee, who I believe is the director of like Girls Trip. So it's an interesting movie for him to do. Isn't LeBron. Spike Lee's son, too? That I, I don't know. Is. I'll look that up. Uh, well, LeBron is, of course, the star. He plays himself. The movie starts with... Cousin uh, of Spike Lee. Cousin of Spike Lee. Okay. Okay. Starts with LeBron as a child who is loves this Looney Tunes Game Boy game. Was that a thing? I don't think it was. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it has some footage of it, but okay. Um, then it cuts to the current day, and James's kid, Dom, uh, of course, it's Dom, family is everything, another another movie with that theme, <laughs> is um, much more concerned with uh, creating his own video game, is NBA Jam ripoff, than, uh, called Dom Ball, than he is about actually playing basketball. And, of course, LeBron resents this. He uh, tries to get his kid to love basketball as much as he does and as much as his oldest son does. And then they get to invited to this, like, Warner Brothers promo thing where they're trying to recruit LeBron to be part of their organization digitally by Al G Rhythm, played by Don Cheadle. And then he ends up like sucking LeBron and his son into the computer and makes them play a basketball game for their mortal lives. Uh, and, uh, or, or they'll be stuck there forever, I guess. And uh, uh, so LeBron, of course, recruits the Looney Tunes to be on his team. And they square off against uh, souped up NBA stars in digital form and uh, he in order to save humanity. Uh, yeah, the, the opening of the movie is super lame. Like, the opening of the first Space Jam is awesome. The opening of this is really bad. And because the first scene in the first Space Jam is, like, super magical, and it sets the tone of the movie. This, it just is really not good. And plus, the montage of LeBron is pretty cool, but it needed the Space Jam theme song. And I do not know why they did not do that. It, it was, like, a real missed opportunity. Or at least remix it or something, yeah. Yeah, because it was some song I couldn't even tell you anything about it like uh, it was super unmemorable are you talking about the r, r kelly song no 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 no. the, the there's is there not there's not is it was it r kelly doing this one well no no, no. i believe i can fly is that the song you think they should remix no no he, he was singing oh. about the, the come jam. on and jam oh okay. and welcome to the yeah, yeah. in Sorry. the montage okay. of lebron i see yeah. okay uh well LeBron also is a wooden actor, which really surprised me because I think he's amazing in Trainwreck. But they show in, in the opening montage also, like, he, he's, I don't know, I just don't think he's right. He, he's like, they, they show the thing where he said, like, I, I'm not just going to shut up and dribble. And then the next scene is him basically telling his son to shut up and dribble. And the court's all that matters. And the court is work. And that says everything you need to know about LeBron off the court. He is a very uninteresting person and tough to get behind off the court. But on the court, he's really fun to watch, which is why the movie sort of it was able to get made and i would agree with him though that the the idea of this like virtual reality thing and the whole idea of the movie is one of the five dumbest things i've ever heard and um and but it needed to be more of a reimagining of the first one than this like bloated special effects nonsense thing that they made um there are some references to the first one which i thought was kind of cool but it's more looney tunes than actual basketball in this movie and this the stuff with michael in the first one well, like the fish out of water stuff was really funny because he is stoic and has personality and the brawn really can't do it. Uh, I have no idea who this movie is for. It's the, the movie references that it has, the Warner Brothers stuff is way too advanced for a like a 13 year old, which is who the target audience of this is. And it's too dumb for anybody over than that to really think it's actually good. There's no nostalgia here like there was in the first one. And honestly, my favorite part was probably those like 
Warner Brothers property stuff, like seeing the Droogs from the Clockwork Orange in the crowd, which was super odd, and Pennywise and the Magic School Bus and like just countless random shit that they had. Uh, and Don Cheadle does his thing. Like he's, he's pretty awesome in this. So the movie is way too freaking long. This is almost two hours long. That's about 40 minutes too long. And um, for some reason, the last like half hour is sort of watchable because, you know, a shooter said it is the greatest game ever invented. But it's way overproduced and it's corny as shit. And uh, the court somehow also looked like the court at the bubble, and which was not appealing <laughs> at all. I'm giving it one star. This is terrible. All right. One star from Todd. Zach? Uh, yeah, I echo a lot of what Todd said, but I guess I have a pretty big disagreement with him about when it comes to what this movie should have been. I don't think they should have leaned in more into the first movie. This this sequel to me is like Home Alone 2. It's the exact same thing. There's nothing original about this premise. Uh, why don't... I, what I was hoping for was, in the opening moments, I was actually kind of hoping for uh, more of an interesting examination between the dynamics of LeBron, who grew up playing basketball, and his sons, who grow up playing video games and that's true in real life Bronny James was on the cover of Sports Illustrated not as a basketball player but as a as an e-gamer right so that's an interesting dynamic I wish the movie had gone in that direction of course you could make the case that this movie isn't even really about basketball it's about some perverse video game uh version of basketball I also don't think Todd you went further enough this is the second worst movie we've ever reviewed on this podcast as a featured review I don't think it's quite as bad as Downfall this movie, not Downfall. Why did I say that? Downsizing. Uh, downsizing. Sorry. Like, were you trying to say Deadfall again? I was, say, well, I was <laughs> thinking that why isn't Deadfall in your top 10? I've been wondering that now for the last 10 minutes, but okay. Uh, this movie is horrible. This movie makes me yearn for F9. Let's talk about why F9 is better than this movie. F9 was, it was derivative, but you knew what it was about. This movie has no... You're right, Todd. There's no audience for this movie. Who's going to like this movie? Like, are you telling me that 35 year olds who grew up watching, uh, you know, the original Space Jam, they're going to be they're going to be entertained by, you know, Tweety uh, getting stomped on and saying, I got moited like that's funny or, or, gr or gr the granny character, um, you know, giving extra age to the alien like that. That is so lame. And kids aren't going to get the reference either. They're going to be bored. They didn't. Kids these days didn't grow up watching Looney Tunes. I was also kind of appalled at the idea of bringing back some of the most racist Dis uh, Lo uh, Looney Tune characters like Foghorn Leghorn, like Speedy Gonzales, and Grant, they don't have a whole lot of time in on screen, but they're more on screen in this movie than they are in the original 25 years ago when it was maybe more culturally acceptable to have those racial stereotypes. Uh, I th t This movie is, is long, it is unending. The, the I think the CGI is kind of awful. Um, it has, uh, I, I, um, the, I think Don Cheadle is Don Cheadle, but the, 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 the whole impetus for the game is really lame. His name is Al G. I, I kept on thinking we should have Sasha Baron Cohen as Ali G. That would make the movie much more interesting. But the most appalling thing of all is the fact that they are, this is not a vanity project for LeBron, which is what I thought it was going to be. It is a vanity project for HBO Max and Warner Brothers IP. And I have to read this quote from Sam Adams by Slate Magazine. I always read quotes, but I have to, because this sums up my feelings about this movie so well. He wrote in his review, corporations handing a bag of unrelated IP and ordering screenwriters to come up with a story around them is the template for most studio filmmaking now, if not all of contemporary existence. Uh, bravo. Uh, that sums up my feeling about the movie exactly. I was horrified 
horrified and appalled at the idea that they would be selling this trash to kids to try to promote them to buy into the HBO Max subscription platform, streaming platform, and Warner Brothers IP that is for movies that they have no cultural context with. I kept on hoping that Pennywise would eat, uh, would eat all of the children in the movie. I actually don't know why Pennywise didn't do that. Uh, this movie left, uh, made me sympathize with Justin Lin for leaving this project and going to F9. F9 didn't have any of this. The original Space Jam didn't have any of this. The best thing you can say about this movie is that it makes the original Space Jam look like Casablanca and it makes Uncle Drew look like Citizen Kane. No stars. Can't do it. There's nothing redeeming in this piece of garbage. Unbelievably bad. Could not believe how bad it was. Yeah, I, I I really I I've got it at one star, but I could really easily go go down to zero as well. Um, so on Friday, on my plane flight back from the East Coast, I did a I I downloaded a double feature of Space Jam and Space Jam Two, and I watched both of them back to back. And it was really, and I know we're going to talk plenty about the the original Space Jam because that's our deep dive today. But it's impossible not to compare them. And, and as soon as this starts and you have the flashback to his childhood, I'm like, are they're just going to make the same movie? And, and Todd, you said callbacks to the original. It almost felt like they took the formula of the original and decided to double down on it. It's like, oh, oh, you, you lo everyone loved the Bill Murray cameo. So you know what? We're going to throw in 50 cameos from everybody from any HBO movie. And and then uh, and and then it's it's such a blatant commercial for Warner Brothers and like more than anything I have ever seen. Like I'm all for like little nostalgia and and uh, references and but like and we'll talk about it. like in the first Space Jam where where you have uh, where you have what is it Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd do the do the Pulp Fiction moment like that's fun that's cute that's cool, but then. You, you go and you have, and, and as LeBron's like flying through and you see the different worlds and you see like Wicked Witch and you see Game of Thrones, like, okay, this is kind of cool. And then they double down on it and spend like 15 minutes going through every single one of those worlds. Like, why? Why do you need to do this? Are you that desperate to get people to watch and to listen? LeBron James is a horrible actor. Well, all right. He was fine in a bit part. He can't carry a movie. He is not an actor. He's an athlete. And athletes can have little bit parts. They can't carry a movie. The first movie is not carried by Michael Jordan. It's carried by the Looney Tunes. And, and it's the Looney Tunes asking Jordan for help. This is centered entirely on LeBron. He is the main character. He does everything in this movie. And he's asking the Looney Tunes for help. The Looney Tunes have about as big of a role as Jordan does in the first. And that's the problem. That's what makes the first one fun, and this one lame and boring. Uh, you have, yes, you have actors playing the kids like you do in the first one, but when you have a high-profile kid already that people know and recognize, like Bronny James, put him in the movie. I mean, that, that I thought that was distracting. Um, yeah, I there were so many things that were wrong with this, uh, and it, yeah, everything well, felt just bad. Yeah, it's almost like they realized that LeBron sucked, so they were like, we're going to, for 90% of this movie, he's going to be a cartoon, because we can't actually have him on screen, because yeah. that's going to be really bad. I mean, and I, I know this was all shot before COVID, so that wasn't that, it wasn't that situation where they had to do that. I mean, but it's just like, 
I don't know. I mean, but the cartoon stuff was just dumb. Like I said, this is a Looney Tunes movie. It's it's not a basketball movie like Space Jam was. And do do we need to see Lola Bunny trying to become Wonder Woman? Do do we do we need to see? Which are, evidently they it was the voice of Zendaya, which I don't know why. Why the, the other lady's still alive? <laughs> yeah, and she sounded exactly the same. Uh, do yeah. Do you did you need to have a scene from Casablanca in there? I mean, did did you need it? It was ridiculous well it's also pretty clear that they're so because they're creatively bankrupt they're i think blatantly um stealing ideas from ready player one which basically did the same thing to to a large degree uh and you know you could also make the argument that animation especially you know chuck jones early you know looney tunes animation was always self-reflexive to some degree but what is shameless about this movie is how how it goes on and on and on and on yeah terry there's a there's a reference to pulp fiction in the original space jam that's funny for three seconds, and then right. it goes. Then it goes back to the movie. Exactly. This is non-stop cross promotion. It is insane. Um, and then when the movie uh, tries to establish any sort of aesthetic, uh, it becomes uh, in, uh, Spider Verse. It, it, I think it's blatantly ripping off the idea of different aesthetic iterations of these characters, and I think are a wildly uninteresting and derivative way. And then I think also the story is basically just a ripoff of Hook, son versus father, son being seduced by the evil villain to go against the father. I mean, this movie has zero originality, zero authenticity. It is way overproduced, way overblown, and uh, it, it, it just keeps getting worse and worse. I, I, I have to say, this movie makes me depressed about the state of humanity, which is also what Downsizing did. I didn't get depressed about the state of humanity after F9. That, that was just, you know, shit. Or, or you know, uh, the, the Bob Odenkirk movie. Like, those were just bad movies. This movie makes me depressed about the state of movies, about the trajectory of LeBron's career. We waited seven years for this garbage, LeBron. I mean, he must know it's garbage. All these players know that this is just trash. Uh, it is uh, appalling. Yeah, and... Uh... You you mentioned like like the 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 racist Looney Tune characters too, and they have those in. However, they wanted to make sure to be sensitive and take out Pepe Le Pew, you know, because hashtag Me Too. So well, and, it's like and make Lola less sexualized because I mean she was pretty sexualized in the original. We, we can talk about that, but okay. No, so but, but they, they keep in the but, rapist from a clockwork the, the clockwork horns. exactly. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, it's so just there's so many things wrong with this movie. And, and I mean, yeah, and and going back, yeah, there's the Pulp Fiction moment. There's a moment where Donald Duck kisses the Warner Brothers logo on his ass. I mean, that happens in the original movie. They're very self-aware. Looney Tunes have always been self-aware. But this is insane. This is insane. And and the fact that people think this is what people wanted, that the producers are like, this is what they want. They want to see everything all mashed up into one. And and I, I mean, maybe it maybe it's like. Well, LeBron always puts together super teams, so we're going to put together an all-star lineup of movie references into one movie. A joke about that. Did they th- <laughs> yeah. think that the LeBron playing Quidditch in the Harry Potter universe was funny? Like, did that did that make a producer laugh? Well, see, if, if you were, pro- I don't know, I guess if you were probably born in the last, like, 10 years, 10, 15 years, you probably would find that a lot of this funny, I guess, like, because it's kind of chaotic in a computer-animated way, and it's like, I, a lot of kids are that like they are like coders already and shit. Like they they could make their own video games. They're and not apps already and, and like so that probably is relatable to kids right now. So exactly. maybe it is made for kids, but like everything else, 
is trying to be some nostalgic thing and it doesn't work. Exactly. Retire the Looney Tunes, retire basketball, retire the concept. It was a great movie 25 years ago. We'll talk about it. Why this? Why now? For who? It's it's dumbfounding. This is the kind of stuff that the Golden Raspberry Awards were made for. And and you and the you Porky out... Pig rap rap sequence, which we haven't even talked about. Oh gosh. I mean, that's just yeah, I think yeah, that tells yeah, you everything no you need to know about this movie. Yeah, you can't. You, you, yeah. And the other thing there I'm thinking no is like, yeah, this this is designed for kids. Yet you have multiple Game of Thrones references, which kids shouldn't shouldn't have watched. Um, so it, yeah, yeah, it's they rebooted Animaniacs not too long ago. That is entertaining. They managed mm -hmm. to make that funny, but there was no way that that was really for kids. So this movie trying to sell this garbage, get your parents to subscribe to HBO Max for access to the Warner Brothers library. I thought we were done with that. I thought I thought product placement died like 20 years ago. But like that reviewer was saying, that is all we get now in movies. And this is just, I, I think the, uh, I don't know, it's the culmination of everything that is destroying movies today. See, and, and you... you you reference well, like I sound writing... like a right wing radio talk show host saying that, so maybe I'll, <laughs> well, I'll you my reference, words. It won't be you so hyperbolic. Like, you reference like Ready, Ready Player One. Ready Player One did it in a clever way, and, and 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 a little bit more of a subtle way. And even the stuff that was more in your face, it made sense. Nothing in this makes sense. Nothing is subtle. Nothing is clever. It's just bad. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna lower it. I, I mean, this is this is like one of the worst movies I, I've I seen could, in a long I could time. Go at, I could go to zero stars out of respect. I, I think I might too. I think I might too. There's <laughs> nothing redeeming. I thought the best part of the movie was actually the opening 20 minutes because I thought it was going to be about the division between LeBron as a basketball player and his son as a video game. I, I like that. That's an interesting direction to take the movie. The movie just. Clearly, when we recognize that the movie doesn't have any scruples or any sort of interest in being creative or, or you know, thoughtful, then, you know, that went out the window. But it's awful. It's first it's first rate garbage. And the fact that parents are going to have to watch this. I mean, yeah, I think kids will get bored after about 10 minutes. So fortunately, they'll turn it off. But I think it's appalling. And another Number one at the box office. Yeah. Even though it's free on HBO Max. Um, but another thing that I that I thought was interesting too is uh, there's almost no footage of the actual NBA players in this. Like I think Dame Lillard gets like one tiny little moment, and that's it. Clay Thompson was in it for like but yeah, Clay, a Clay gets a, a second, um, and then you don't see anybody else. That was one of the cool things about Space Jam is there's that there, wasn't I mean, motion capture with them either. I'm pretty sure that was just in complete animation, right? I think so. Outside of like outside of the main five, you have like a dozen other NBA players that get that get some decent screen time in this and in the original and in this one. And, and like the most developed is Lillard and Lillard's never even on the court. I mean, it's there. Nothing about this makes sense. And we've already spent too much time talking about it. Are, are we just going to say zero stars across the board? I'm OK with that, actually. Yeah. Adam gave it one and a half stars. I was texting him during the movie saying this. It, I, I can't. I don't know if I can make it through this. Zero stars across the board. We're going with. I'm it. changing my official rating. It already was the worst movie of the year. Oh, so yeah. Mine, too. Mine, stars. too. Uh, I haven't given a zero star movie in a long time. Like it might have been since Mr. Brooks in 2007. Oh, wow. Last time I gave a zero that star. Some, that had some camp value, though. 
My yeah, review of Cars was Good Boys. Zach gave it a positive rating. Yeah, I like Good Boys. That I never saw you, Good Boys. Show show the eight year olds Good Boys. That is a much more entertaining and rel- culturally I think relevant hate movie that than just as much. <laughs> no, I think the kids would love Good Boys. I think it's hilarious. All right. Well, if if we're going, if we're doing a thrice zero stars, this is the. It's safe to say this might be one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. Because they they were actually trying to make something good. It's like amazing actually, that yeah. It, 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 this has like a thirty six on Rotten Tomatoes. I, what critic would give this thumbs up? <laughs> Laker fans. I think Laker so, fans would be embarrassed by by this. Someone it was not to come out during the NBA Finals and the Lakers were probably supposed to be here. Someone not wanting to look uh, to look insensitive. I mean, listen, everybody's talking about yeah, MJ versus LeBron. Can this answer the question that clearly it's it's MJ? Can this be the nail in the coffin to that debate? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's call it good. Zero stars across the board. One you of the think worst Spike Lee ever. saw this movie by his cousin? What? <laughs> I you mean... Call- they threw a jab at the Knicks, didn't they? Oh, probably. Oh, because that's they, that's so funny. I mean, how they're yeah, they did because yeah, because they they were like uh, yeah, we got to find out who's responsible for stealing LeBron, and then they named off some like people like villains like, and then they're like or or like the New York Knicks or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There was a good review of this movie on the NPR um, hap, uh, pop culture happy hour where they said this movie is hell. If you've ever wanted to know what hell is like. Watch this movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Let's move on, and we're moving on to our deep dive because it is the 25th anniversary of the original Space Jam. When the world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny, you won't believe your eyes. Pardon me, Mr. Jordan. Can I have your auto uh, your John Hancock? What's going on here? We need your help! You heard of the dream team? Well, we're the mean team. Ready? Yeah! Done. Yeah. You kick it in here. You go to the hole and dominate. We own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I don't play defense. Warner Brothers presents Jordan. Bunny. Special delivery! Together, they just might save the world. Space Jam. You've never seen anything like it. So let's get into this one. This is definite nostalgia for, I think, probably all of us. But, uh, Zach, you're hosting trivia here. Tell us, uh, tell us what we're doing here. All right, we're doing trivia for Space Jam. I don't know how or why, but yes. <laughs> Okay, so are, are we starting it? Let's start it. Let's do oh, it. Okay, okay. Let's go. Let's go to uh, Terry first. All right. So, so Todd's gonna log off. Okay. Todd's out. All right. So uh, Terry, I have nine questions, and I don't know how many points. Something like okay. fifteen or so. Okay. Uh, first question: Where does Zach have this ranked as nineteen ninety six list? Just you, just give me a number. How many total do you have for nineteen ninety six? I I can't tell you that information. You you have to guess. And who's ever closer between you and Todd, I'll give the point to. 72. 
Okay, 72 is Terry's guess. Uh, next question, uh, what kind of pitch does Michael Jordan strike out on? Slider. Slider is correct. That was uh, somehow up and in and at his head, uh, which is like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was those, one of my problems. Those, some <laughs> of those pitches were questionable. Um, what parking lot does the Toon spacecraft bury into? Oh, uh, it was like, oh gosh, Kmart. That's not it. Uh, close. Uh, Piggly Wiggly. That's in Alabama. Uh, what is the name of Michael Jordan's dog? And it's not Brandy. Charles. Charles is correct. Uh, what is Michael Jordan's mom cooking when he arrives home? Chicken and collard greens. Very good. Uh, what is Michael Jordan's batting average slash weight? 214. That is also correct. Okay, this is this question's worth two points. Give me the halftime score and the final score of the game. Um, the final score I'm gonna say is like eighty four to eighty three, and the mm -hmm. halftime score is fifty to thirty five. Uh, that both of those are incorrect. Uh, the halftime score is the Monstars sixty six, the Tunes eighteen, and the final score is seventy eight seventy seven Tunes. Okay. Uh, what are the two reasons? How did? What are the two reasons that Bill Murray got there? This is worth two points as well. Um. <laughs> uh, well, uh, he's friends with the or his publicist, or he made a call to his publicist or something. Uh, and, uh, okay, I'll give you a half point for that. You were actually you you were about to say it. His friend is a producer. Friend is a producer. Yeah, and and. Uh, and so he called his publicist or something like, I don't know. Okay. I'll just give you a half point. Uh, if his friend is a producer and, the, and a teamsters dropped him off. That's what the other part is. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's just how it comes. And the final question, which is worth up to six points. I'm going to read you uh, some numbers and you yes. tell me who, yes. uh, where is uniform. I was waiting for this. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe, well, we'll see how you do. Uh, 34. Oh, crap. Um, and, and uh, not Charles Barkley. Uh, it is Charles Barkley. Oh, okay. He, okay. He's gonna be human or tune. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, nine. Nine is. Oh, is that Porky Pig? No, it is Sylvester. Uh, mm. ten. Ten's Lola. Correct. Fifty-three. Fifty-three. Um. Foghorn Leghorn? No, Elmer Fudd. Oh. Exc exclamation mark. That's Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> yeah, that was the best one. <laughs> and then 22. And there's actually two players who wear 22. Yeah. 22. Oh, I... Oh, well, uh, Bill Murray. Correct. Wears 22. And then um, Danny Ainge? Correct. Very nicely done. <laughs> All right. So that gives you a total of nine and a half points. Very good. Out of how many? Uh, out of, I think, uh, I, I don't know. I think 16. But uh, yeah, the, the, not nicely done, Terry. Okay, so uh, Todd, uh, we're, and actually Terry could get an extra point based on this first question. Oh, great. Uh, where does Zach have this ranked on his 1996 list? Because... Zach refers to himself in third person. 
41. Okay, the answer is 36. Yeah, that's closer. Uh, <laughs> what, is, what did you say? 72. Yeah, I I've, seen that many I've not seen movies. I've not seen that many 1996 movies. Okay. I've seen a grand total of 59 96 uh, uh, movies. Okay, uh, what kind of pitch does Michael Jordan strike out on? A slider. Correct. Uh, what parking lot do the tunes does the tune spacecraft bury into or crash into? I don't know. It's some sort of it's some sort of like big store, like a big lots or something. I almost said big lots. I said Kmart. It's a piggly wiggly. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. What is the name of Michael Jordan's dog? And it's not Brandy. Charles. Charles is correct. Uh, what is Michael Jordan's mom cooking? Chicken and collard greens. Correct. <laughs> is that his mom? I, I thought that was like the like just like the maid or something. No, I think that's his mom. Okay. I think even in the credits they said um, Mrs. Jordan. I never, I never thought that was his mother, but okay, that's interesting. I have a funny story. Some remind me later. I have, a, I have a funny story about that. Okay, uh, what is Michael Jordan's batting average and weight? An anemic two fourteen. Two fourteen is correct. <laughs> Which also happens to be his batting, <laughs> his playing weight. Yeah. Um, this is a two-part question. Give me the halftime score and the final score of the game. The final score was what, 78 to 77. Correct. Halftime, it would have probably like... It's like... It's like, I don't know, like 68 to 18 or something. <sighs> That's really close. I, I got to give you a half point for that. That's impressive. <laughs> it was sixty-six to eighteen. Uh, Good grief! That was that was impressive. That was impressive. How did Bill Murray get there? This is a two-part question. <laughs> uh, his uh, agents or the agents a friend or something, and the Teamsters dropped him off or something or. Okay, I'll, I'll give you one and a half points for that. Terry almost said the same thing. His friend is a producer, but the Teamsters did drop him off. Okay. Um, okay, uh, final question worth up to six points, and you need it. Uh, I'm going to read you the name, the, the, some numbers, and you tell me who wears these numbers over the course of <laughs> okay. the game. Um, no, this, we did this on Remember the Titans. <laughs> yes, and, and I think we did it on Hoosiers, too. And uh, I, I also I told this to Terry. These can be tunes or real people. Okay, uh, so we'll start. And by the way, you need uh, you need three. No, you, yeah, you need three to take the lead. Um, okay, thirty-four. Thirty-four. Oh, like okay. So it could be the like in their actual jerseys because like all the monsters are zero, right? Right. So 34, is that uh, Ewing? No, it is Sir Charles Barkley. Ewing's 33. Yeah. By the way, Todd, you need two points, not three points. Um, number nine. I think we found a weak spot in, a weak <laughs> spot in Todd's knowledge. 
I, there, there's so much knowledge in, in his brain, but well, you have to be looking numbers, for that to notice the numbers on the backs of these people. Jersey numbers right. are not his. We got to remember that somehow incorporated into Adam. Yeah, Daly's but you voice. didn't know that Charles Barkley was 34. This is dramatic. Terry might actually win. Number nine, I'm going to say, I like Daffy. <coughs> no, Daffy's number two. Yeah, Daffy was number two. Uh, number ten. Wait, so who was nine? Oh, Sylvester. Oh. Number 10 was Lola. That's correct. Uh, number 53. He would remember who wore number 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 53. Foghorn. That's what That's I said. Terry guest. Uh, the correct <laughs> answer is number. Elmer Fudd. Um, exclamation mark. That's got to be Taz. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Process of elimination, and then the last question, uh, number twenty-two. And there's actually two players who <clears throat> are twenty-two. I mean, I'd say let's Bill. Correct. And this is the biggest pull out of my butt I've ever had. Yeah, this is. I got this right. This was a Mug tough one. Mugsy. And Mugsy wears one. Okay. I don't know that. Why you, why don't you say who it is? Danny Terry? Ainge. When he when he wow. played with Charles Barkley. <laughs> he also has like the worst shot ever. He like does a alley oop with eight seconds left on the shot clock. Like, <laughs> like, you know, from the three point a fifteen line. foot alley oop, yeah. <laughs> That's so unbelievable. Score eleven to nine and a half. Todd wins, uh, but I almost feel I, I feel sympathetic to Terry for getting the Danny Ainge answer. That that's impressive. That should be worth more. The other great number you didn't mention is that Tweety Bird is number one third. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, and then <laughs> Pepe Le Pew is heart. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, all right, well, Todd, you won trivia. Tell us about the original Space Jam and your experience with it. Well, I mean, I've like when I was a kid, I watched this a lot. Like, I've probably seen it at least fifty times. And when I was watching it for this, when I was like taking notes on like the random like our category stuff, like I was quoting it in my head as it was going along. And I haven't seen this in <laughs> at least ten years. So, I mean, that just shows how much I know this movie. It's it totally is a part of my childhood, and I've always liked watching it. But this time, actually, I actually kind of noticed some things that like made it sort of a good movie because I never actually considered it good <laughs> before. And and Michael, I think is is really interesting as an actor, as are the other the other uh, the other basketball players that appear in it. I I mean, I don't know what what there is to say about Space Jam that hasn't already been said. Like the soundtrack is like amazing; it gets you in the mood for the movie, and it's <coughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great kids movie that still somehow holds up for me today. Yeah, Zach, how about you? Uh, I, have a, I have a completely different childhood than either of you. I did not watch the Police Academy movies. By, by the way, speaking of the Police Academy movies, have, did you guys see that Michael Winslow is on America's, America's Got, Got Talent? Talent? Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's a great and he's show. amazing. He's still, he's still, he's got still it. kicking it. He's still got it. Shout no, out to nothing Michael will Winslow. beat Police Academy 6, his random scene where he busts out his Jimi Hendrix impression in a bar to justify him being there like that's it's 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 just 
pure gold right there. Any, I don't know why we start. Okay. Oh, because I, I didn't have the same childhood. Okay. I, no. I didn't I didn't have the same childhood as you guys. So I didn't see Space Jam until maybe I was 15, 16. Saw oh, it on, okay. on VHS once. Didn't really remember it. Remember that Ebert gave it three and a half stars. But <laughs> if you watch the Siskel and Ebert review of it, it's also pretty clear that they're influenced by the fact that they're both, you know, in Chicago during the time of the Bulls championships. And if you watch, uh, if you know anything about Gene Siskel, I mean, there are some podcasters out there who claim to know about Siskel and Ebert. They really don't. They don't, you know, you, you have to actually know Siskel and Ebert. These podcasters out there, they don't know what they're talking about. But Gene was the world's biggest Michael Jordan fan. So there's no way that... Uh, uh, they were going to give this movie thumbs down. Anyway, long story short, uh, I rewatched it after having watched Space Jam, A New Legacy. Oh. And the MVP of the original Space Jam is LeBron James for making the original Space Jam look so good in comparison. <laughs> I mean, it really actually kind of shines and was pretty hilarious at times. And I went into this podcast kind of thinking Space Jam, really? And now I'm a Space Jam fan. Get me, get me some of those, you know, mid '90s outfits, man. That they they look great. This movie holds up wonderfully. Yeah, uh, I my experience is similar to Todd. I mean, we watched this a ton as a kid, and uh, and I, 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 I was, ridiculous amounts of this movie. I quote and don't even really realize that. <laughs> I, I I know. <laughs> when I was in, in classic, 1996, classic. has got a few picadillos. I nice saw, Jane, Wiley. I nice saw Jane Eyre in a theater in 1996. I wasn't into basketball. <laughs> that is nice. Well, but there was a 1996 Jane Eyre movie. Yeah, with, with William Hurt and uh, young Anna Paquin. It was her first role after uh, the piano. And uh, is that French actress who plays Jane Eyre? Uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Really good movie. I saw that in a the theater. Loved it. I would never yeah. have seen this movie in a theater when I was eight years old. I'm fixing a divot. <laughs> May not be very tall, but I'm slow. I think Bill Murray and Stan in this movie are two of the most quotable characters of all time. Um, but yeah, I, I've, we, Todd and I watched this a ton growing up. And watching it this time, I, not I noticed some things, and especially watching them back to back. I watched them one, then two. Zach watched it two, then one. Um, but I mentioned it before. One of the things I noticed is Space Jam is a Looney Tunes movie that Michael Jordan shows up in. Where where the new one, it's a LeBron James movie that the Looney Tunes show up in. So I thought that that was very apparent. Bugs Bunny is the main character of Space Jam, and Michael Jordan shows up. They don't ask Michael Jordan to do a whole lot in this movie. Because they know his limitations and they did it in a way that was going to make him look good. There were a lot of extreme close-ups on just his head so that he could just just say this line. We'll put some background behind you. Just say this line and be convincing. Maybe some note cards. Saturday yeah. Night Live type yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and it works. It totally works. Um, when he's playing basketball, he actually looks like he's playing basketball. Unlike some of the other stuff that happens in the other movie. Um, and, and it's, it's fun. It feels like Looney Tunes, right? It feels like, Lo and uh, Todd and I grew up watching Looney Tunes too. And I always loved Looney Tunes and that this feels like Looney Tunes. And that's one of the things I love about this movie. And it, it's, it, yeah, it's not high art in any way, but I would, I, I went back through and 
I was way too harsh on it when I gave it a rating, and I need to definitely fix that. What did you give it? Oh, it was like a one and a half stars or something like that. Did the original Space Jam? Yeah, I don't what? even know why. Uh, it, it it's it's way too entertaining. And the other thing is, it's under an hour and a half. It is yes. a kids movie. Thank you. Why are Thank kids you, movies two hours now? They need to be they. Why is anything two hours? Nothing tops. should be two hours unless it's like you know Oscar Four. Fahadi. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, no kids movie should be more over an hour and a half, which is another problem with the second. What? One. We got to stop talking about the second one. Yeah, I can't think of a of a kids movie that's two hours that was good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think never so. would have paid attention to the time when I was a kid watching a movie though. <laughs> oh god, I think it's I could have watched Rescuers Down Under for five hours a day. <laughs> yeah. I don't have patience anymore, man. It's like. Just... I got things to do, you know? I got to mm. go home, do my podcast, drink some beer. I don't have time for this. The important things. The important things. It's another reason that movies are, are, are you know, it's they're in decline. Because even Scorsese, you know, three hours and 20 minutes? Are you kidding? 40 minutes? Whatever whatever it was for the Irishman? Like, come on. <laughs> it they, was a lot. <laughs> these streaming platforms. I mean, yeah, all hail HBO Max and Warner Brothers Library. But... It, it, I remember the days of Sally Menke, you know? I remember the days of film. Those are long Locker. movies, too, dude. <laughs> well, but they were great movies, though. You know? They weren't They weren't three hours and 40 minutes. Another great part about this, and, and like, like I said when we were reviewing the other one, there's a lot of NBA players that have cameos in this. They're I delightful. Mean, you, they're and they're great! great. They're I want to so see more great. of Vladdy Divas. I didn't know it's a big invasion of the body snatchers fan. I know. <laughs> I, I, I just noticed that reference this time through too. You actually have Del Curry, the coach of the Lakers at the time, there talking with Vladdy Divas and Cedric Sabalos. Del, Del Harris, not Del. Del Curry. Harris, yeah, not Del Curry, <laughs> not Steph. And then, yeah, then. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, and then and then you've of course Danny Ainge you've got there and uh, and yeah, who who else was in there? Jim Rome. How about a Jim shout Rome. out to Jim Rome? Uh, Derek Harper was in was in Paul a scene Westfall. in this. Paul Westfall's in it. Yeah, I mean, was that, was that the one that that was like, like, what the hell are we doing out here? And then it's yeah. and then <laughs> Ahmad Rashad. Time out! I'm pulling you out of the game. You're playing you too many minutes. <laughs> Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, uh, and cameos Rashad. that made sense. Cameos that made sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, not not Steven Yoon and Sarah Silverman and. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I while you, while you guys were doing trivia, I looked up. I thought it was Leslie Odom Jr. was was the one guy, but it wasn't. That blew it was my Chris mind. Davis. I have no idea who that is. I like, is that a baseball player? Yeah, it, it, it's the same name and spelling as one of the Chris Davis baseball players, but it's I, not. I, him. I I thought the entire time that was Leslie Odom Jr. They look identical. They do look very similar, but they, it's not him. He's been in some stuff. I forget what he's been in, but yeah, I looked it up too because he looked familiar, and he does look like Leslie Odom Jr. Well, but Todd, yeah, Todd, you ruined that perfect segue into our Mount Rushmore. Yeah, all right, oh. let's get it. Let's get into Mount that, Rushmore here. That was a perfect segue. Oh, there we go. So, uh, so Chris Davis from 
Space Jam is Two it K has been Chris in... or C Chris? K Chris. K Chris, not the one yeah. with the the way lower than two fourteen batting average. No, 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 no. The the one that always what was it? He always hit two twenty one or something. No, two forty two. <laughs> like for five or six seasons in a row, oh, he had the right. exact same batting average. Uh, let's see here. He's been in Judas so and Black Messiah. He's been in a bunch of episodes. going to play George Foreman, apparently. Oh, interesting. He was wow. in some episodes of Atlanta. He was in Detroit. Um. Anyways. Detroit? All right. That a, that's a show? No, the movie. The movie. The Catherine Bigelow oh, movie. It was in okay. Terry's top ten. It was. Okay. Right. So our, our Mount Rushmore here is um, people playing themselves in movies. This is going to be an interesting one. People playing themselves in movies. Um, I'm I'm going to say we don't have a consensus. I'm going to say we do. The Michael Jordan? No, John Malkovich. Oh. Obvious. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, all right. John Malkovich and being John Malkovich is is a consensus. It's in the the title of the movie. (laughs) Not not LeBron James. Not LeBron (laughs) James. All right, yeah, we'll we'll go we'll go with Malkovich, Malkovich. Okay, um, I'm gonna go first. Uh, and yeah, Malkovich is a great one because it's not yeah. it's not a cameo. That's what makes it so great. It, he's actually a legit part of that movie, and it doesn't work if it's anybody but Malkovich. Um, but mine is kind of a an extended cameo a little bit. Uh, it's someone we've mentioned a lot so far this year on this podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again. I'm going Jack Black in the Muppets movie um, because he's just uh, great. That's a Terry pick. It is, it is a Terry pick, <laughs> but it starts out. He's an anger management class with animal. And then he gets kidnapped to be the, uh, the special guest star of their save, our, save the theater show. It, it's and, and he's, he's Jack Black and he's Jack Black in all of his Jack Blackness. And, and he starts out meditating in central park with, uh, or not central park, but he starts meditating with, uh, with animal, which is great. But yeah, I'm going Jack Black and the Muppets. That was one of the first ones I thought of. Lovely. Zach. All right. Well, uh, I have a serious pick and a not serious pick. I'll go with the not serious pick first, um, just to get it over with. Raquel Welch, Naked Gun 33 and a third. I mean, (laughs) come on, doing that routine. I was going to say Phil Donahue, but of course, Phil Donahue isn't actually in the movie, even though he does look like he's puking into a tuba. Um, But what I also liked about Raquel Welch is that she had a great cameo appearance that same year, I believe, on Seinfeld, uh, where she beats up Kramer and Elaine because she doesn't move her arms when uh, she dances, which is why she gets fired from the Tony Award winning musical that Kramer is the producer of. Anyway, um, and I was also going to say John Voight in in Seinfeld as well. Um, But no, it has to be Kevin Garnett. It's KG. All the way. Oh, good call. E- easy, yeah. easy. I mean, it's the best NBA. It's the best athletic performance in any movie. Uh, and if you don't think it, then consider that he's going tete a tete with the greatest performance maybe of all time, and he holds his own and is great in the movie. Easy call. And by greatest performance of all time, you obviously are referring to Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, I was actually refer- <laughs> referring to uh, the uh, High Roller, but oh yes, yeah, Lakeith is good in the movie too. So is the weekend who would be in, in my honorable mention as well. Oh yeah, that's a, that's another good one. 
good one. All right, Todd. I mean, it's Walking Phoenix and I'm still here, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that is the most insane thing I've ever seen. And I mean, it, it, like what I like the lot of ones I was thinking of were like an exaggerated version of someone's self. This is beyond exaggerated. This is freaking ridiculous. And yeah. does that count? Of course I don't think that counts. Himself. I don't think that counts. I mean, it's a do- it's a documentary sort it's of. It's not a documentary. It. Whatever. <laughs> I don't but, think it counts. I mean, it's almost like Borat. If Borat's name was Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. basically. I mean, I'll accept I... it. <laughs> I would, I'll accept it too, but it's like I think there's so there's so much more fun you could have had with this. You know, I've never there's... seen. I'm still here. Todd, what other ones did you have written down? Yeah, let's hear some of the honorable mentions. Uh, well, got to be something better than that. Bill Murray in Zombieland. I mean, similar to his part in Space Jam. Um, yeah. The whole cast of This Is the End. I mean, uh, oh yeah, especially Michael Sarah. And uh, the other one was Neil Patrick Harris and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. That's oh. a great call too. That is a great call too. That would have been a better pick. I'm sticking with Jack Black and the Muppets. How many of you haven't seen? I'm still here. I know. I, I, I yeah. I probably should have. I was thinking like going with Bruce Willis in Ocean's Twelve. Like that. That's like the most bizarre plot twist yeah. ever. Is when the actual Bruce Willis shows up, <laughs> and she's. And Julia Roberts is playing her character, playing Julia Roberts. Yeah, let's just not let's change the Mount the Mount Rushmore to no Fargo and no I'm Still Here and no Ocean's Twelve. Those three movies are excluded. Well, normally we that. say no uncut gems, but no, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that. That's that's for power. That's more power rankings. It's power yeah. rankings. All right. Well, we thought about potentially recasting this, but I mean, there's one person to recast. And that's it. And we're not going to recast him as LeBron James. No. Uh, so one of the things that Todd and I were actually throwing out there is what if we recast this instead of, I mean, it's the 25th anniversary. What if it happened 25 years earlier in 1971? Oh, I mean, Looney Tunes were still around. Movie. A lot of cocaine. Um, yeah. Looney Tunes were around then. So who, who would have been it? And I was trying to look it up and see if there would have been anyone interesting to put in, in that role. Um, probably the most dominant person, players at that time were like will chamberlain was still playing kareem was starting to play what about pistol pete he would have been, it yeah. was pistol pete's rookie season was the 70 71 oh. year how about hondo uh, yeah havlicek was big that year so was uh the big o oscar robertson mm-hmm. was was big that year mm-hmm. elgin baylor um, yeah so he- these are all the guys that would have been featured in a 1971 space jam movie well but these weren't the cream of the crop supporting guys though like th- these weren't the second best third best players in the league yeah there there was no there there was no like star like like i mean yeah. but if, for a 1971 version he would have had to cast bill russell because he was the champ and even though at oh, that point yeah. I, the, the whole core of space jam is about how michael is the champ and he is air jordan and he's clearly the greatest basketball player on the planet I don't know if Bill Russell really was by 1971, but I think, it, it, you know, if if the movie had been in development, you know, it would have had to be Bill Russell. Yeah, I was. That's why I was kind of thinking Kareem because Kareem was was developing into that, 
I mean, but it couldn't have been called Space Jam at that point. It would have been I guess Space Guy Hook. Wilt, though, I mean, (laughs) Wilt didn't have the championships, but he was probably the biggest, you know, symbol of the league. (laughs) Well, of course. Yeah, he also would have won the biggest stickman for the movie, too. Who who wins biggest? Oh, well, we'll do that later. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm curious to see who wins biggest stickman in this movie. I'm just saying it is not Patrick Ewing. (laughs) He said he doesn't have trouble with that. <laughs> we all know you you lie. People uh, lie. Compensation. Yeah. Basketball Jones. He, he was telling the truth. Yeah. Basketball yeah. Jones. Basketball no. Jones. That would have been quite a bit in the 1971 movie, right? Oh, I that would have been the opening sequence. When was that movie was that song made though? I all right. The first time I've ever heard it was like being there, right? Or Who would have? Like, yeah, it's in. Thing. It is in being there. Who would have directed the 1971 Space Jam? Which reminds me, one of my trivia questions was going to be who directed Space Jam. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question. Joel something. <laughs> Joe Pitka. Pitka. I was. One of the things I thought was really interesting is who wrote. Oh, that that's what it was. Basketball Jones was written by Cheech and Chong. Wow. Yeah. What what year? I don't know. I, re- I remember seeing it in the in the credits. Did you guys know that Charles Manson wrote a Beach Boys song? 1973. Uh, that, no, I, I that doesn't that. surprise me, knowing his connection with uh, with Brian Wilson. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. <laughs> who would who would Nicolas Cage have played in this? <laughs> he, I mean, 1996. He... I mean, I think it's clear he'd either be the main character, he'd either be Michael Jordan, or he'd be Bill Murray. He'd come yeah. off the bench. I think he would be the Jim Rome character. I think he'd be trashing Michael on TV and lambasting <laughs> him for his baseball skills. I, I think he needed to play the, uh, the NBA commissioner, which is yeah. really funny because they referenced they David Stern, Stern at one point, and then they showed that guy. Yeah, white white haired old white guy. Which, all right, and this is another thing I thought was kind of interesting. It that scene played those scenes played so differently now after we just went through like what eighteen months of a pandemic. Yeah, uh, (laughs) than than it did twenty five years ago. You know, like Vladi Divas and Cedric Sabalos putting on gas masks to go into their locker room. Yeah, and they were yeah. going to change the hall. I remember, or maybe they were, and then they decided to put on the gas masks to go into the locker room. I think that's that was it. Yeah, they because get... it's like, yeah, you don't change, you don't put on gas masks to change with the press you're already in front of. <laughs> it was during a Knicks Suns game, but it couldn't have been during a Thunder game because they didn't exist. Like the Thunder, the Thunder Jazz game, where COVID like happened. Oh yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. But the movie is eerily prescient in that regard. Let's get into our categories here. Highest war performance. Zach. Well, clearly it's Michael Jordan, right? I mean, you can't, as we learned, there's no other greatest basketball player in any era who could play that role because we just saw the greatest basketball player in our era muck it up and ruin the franchise so easily michael i mean i get that it's maybe not a great performance although it is a better performance than lebron's performance i just i it's inexplicable the dramatic scenes with lebron in that movie like 
and how just he looks like a deer in the headlights. I, I think he's reading off cue cards as well, but the director didn't have enough foresight to, you know, he, he put it in a wide shot instead of a close up. It's horrible. Anyway, um, yeah, go ahead, Terry. I love how every step of our deep dive is going to be trashing on the sequel more and more. I, I, I just have to say, I would have loved to see a Kobe led Space Jam. I think it would have been good. Kobe had a, has a little more charisma. I don't know. Right. I mean, I'm just saying, like, LeBron was awesome in Trainwreck. On paper, this should not have been as bad as it was. I don't, I don't know. Trainwreck, they awesome didn't ask him to do as much. All he was, all he said was, I'm going to go watch Downton Abbey with the guys. And that got some laughs. And, you know, yeah, play basketball with Bill Hader. Yeah, that was it, funny. It, it was funny, right. but that was Judd Apatow. That wasn't LeBron. I'll, cool. I'll go next. My highest war is Bill Murray. Because, uh, it's it is the perfect cameo and he's it's the like no one could have played that quite like he does because there is only one bill murray and, and yeah he, he's the ultimate cameo and they didn't even have a bill murray surrogate in the sequel no they didn't i was waiting for dan Aykroyd. i've been telling this the whole time this movie would have gotten like an extra star in my rating if at one point Dan Aykroyd popped up simply because the one line, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture, which is another quote that Todd and I quote all the time. Yeah. Is, is yeah. there an equivalent 2021 star with Bill Murray's persona that could have been in the sequel? Uh, to 1996 Bill Murray. So you got to be thinking about somebody who's what, like in their like mid 40s? Yeah, yeah, but some someone who's known for what Bill Murray was known for. Maybe Jack like, Black, like Bill Seth Hader, Rogen. Bill Hader, Seth yeah, Seth, Seth Rogen. Rogen. But this that, movie, it, then it would have been R-rated because he would have had to be high. <laughs> I think Jack Black's probably the best bet there, but he's a little too old for it. I don't point. think he's quite as iconic as Bill Murray. Yeah, uh, that's why I went SNL and tried to find. Yeah, I don't know. Todd, who's your highest for? I mean, I want I want to say Charles Barkley because. You can tell that this guy is going to be an absolute star. He's one of the highest paid people in sports right now because he is so interesting. And this, like, his little, like, side scenes should not be as long as they are or as prevalent, but they are because he's, he's Charles Barkley. You know, he, he's, like, praying and, like, I'm never, I'll, I'll never get another technical. I'll never go out Madonna again. Like, <laughs> only Charles is saying those lines. <laughs> this girl, five foot nothing, blocked my shot. You know, like, that's Charles. <laughs> Nobody replaces that. <laughs> and, and this is four years after the Dream Team, where he really became a star. Like, you keep seeing stuff come out now about, about the Dream Team and all this stuff, and that's when Charles became Charles Barkley. And, and like, like, Jordan and Magic and Bird, they were the stars of Dream Team, but everybody left the 1992 Olympics knowing who Charles Barkley was. And so, before the game starts in Space Jam... It's arguable that Charles Barkley has as many lines and as much screen time as Michael does. Is uh, Charles the dog named for Charles Barkley? Is that like oh, a... Oh, has to be. I always thought that, be. Yeah. <laughs> It has to be. The round mound to rebound? I mean, and you get a bulldog and name him Charles? Uh, yeah, that has to be. has to be. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach, what's the worst performance? Worst performance in this movie, uh, I think I'm going to go Wayne Knight. I'm sorry. Uh, He's doing his shtick. Do you know that Wayne Knight is the third build actor in this movie? 
after Michael Jordan and Bugs. He Bunny. was a big star at the time. <laughs> I mean, no, okay, the biggest star in the world. I just I have a similar reaction to Wayne Knight in this movie that I did when we deep dove Rocky the uh, with the Polly character. Like, let's just get a little less Wayne Knight, a little less Newman, a little more Michael and the tunes. We we don't need quite that much Wayne Knight doing his thing. He's he's good at his thing. He's probably the best at his thing. You know, not someone not named Chris Farley, but we just need a little less of it. But again, it was another thing that was brilliant about this movie is that you took Wayne Knight, a known commodity who's on one of the biggest shows in the world at that point, and you put him in almost every scene with Michael Jordan. That's not brilliant. So, <laughs> so when he no, but when he's interacting with people, he's interacting with a comic actor who's going to make everything he says funny. Uh, the fart jokes are not funny. That's one of the things that did not age well in this movie. Well, there, there is that. There's one. Well, yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I could, I could live without the Wayne Knight stuff. You asked me for the worst Le- performance. That's the Le- worst performance. LeBron needed a Wayne Knight. That's all I have to say. He need, he needed someone that was at his side that was actually knew what they were doing. Oh, who's he that needed, actor that we he needed? Zach Galifianakis or Lobro Howard, and he was well, already in the movie. I thought <laughs> I was, I was going to go. He needed, the, he needed Kevin Hart. No, I was gonna which say is the the, the laziest reference yeah. in the entire movie who's the richard jewel guy that's that should have been him oh walter hauser yeah <laughs> yeah the, are, are you saying he's the new wayne knight he's the new wayne knight i, I have a feeling he would take that <laughs> todd who's the worst performance i mean i don't want to go the easy route which is sean bradley i i thought so I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with manny washington as jeff jordan which is the oldest son he's terrible like, I mean, the, the younger kid was way more interesting. Like, but every time I see the, the older son, like, he looks bored and I look bored when I watch him. Like, I don't know. He, he, he's not good. Manny Washington, it also sounds like the future coach of the Mets. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we've already talked about my worst performer, but I'm going to bring him up again. Danny Ainge. I mean, he, he, does, he does a terrible job out there on the court. I mean, he... he in, in his encouraging uh, Charles to get his head back in the game. And then, of course, the 15-foot alley-oop with eight seconds left on the clock. Yeah, that was <laughs> that, that was just great. bad. It's like, well, if Charles doesn't have the ball, what do we do? <laughs> and that, that's kind of what You're killing us, man. You're killing us. It's what happens when you're an alum of North Eugene High School. North Eugene? Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. One of, one of my high school's biggest rivals. There you go. Well, then you you are very happy with my with my pick. Then I'm sure. Sure. All right. Amazing Larry, Big Tim, High Roller, Minor Character of the Movie Award goes to. I'm going first. It goes to Muggsy Bogues because I I love Muggsy and I could watch him dribble all day when when he finally gets his stuff back and then but then it like he has that one interaction where uh, where he's like, "There's nothing wrong with us." It, it, it it's it's got to be some sort of psycho psychosomatic analytics that that, that he also and, looks yeah. like he's in a wheelchair like all those times <laughs> when he's just walking. <laughs> uh yeah, uh, Muggsy's awesome, and uh, yeah, and and uh, he he gets like the oh, and then there's the then there's the uh, are, do you th- what what are you saying about my mama? Like, you didn't bring up I didn't bring up your mama. You did, but I love my mama. But I love my mama. I mean, he he's. 
he gets the least amount of lines, but he is the best at delivering them. So, yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going Muggsy. Zach, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, number exclamation mark the Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> <laughs> Because apparently he's a good enough basketball player to make the starting lineup, even though he's only uh, two foot four. And uh, apparently he's so invested in the game that he gets injured. His injury leads to Bill Murray getting on the uh, roster in the second half of the game. I just want to know about Taz's skills. I mean, <coughs> he's a better, he, that you're saying that he is on par with Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. He's better than, he's better than the Roadrunner. I mean, you really are going to tell me that he's a better player than the Roadrunner? He he cleaned the court really well. Yeah, he did clean Lemony the court fresh. very well. Very, that's very true. That's I mean, another I, one that Todd and I always quote: "Lemony fresh." And he likes to eat the basketballs. <laughs> Is the Tasmanian Devil related to Animal from the Muppets? He has to be. It's gotta be. <laughs> um, Todd. Oh, this, it's easy. It's it's Nerd Luck Not, who is the blue uh, alien. <laughs> oh, because yeah, that's a good one. He, I mean, he, obviously it's Paul Dano in like another world or something, but like he, <laughs> like every line he says is just hilarious. He's like, well, we have been playing really hard. <laughs> or, or he's like, wait, seriously? There yet. Like, he's he's, he's in not, another world. He's not Paul Dano, Todd. He's he's Derek and Zola. I don't think you've seen Zola, Terry, but no. that, the actor who plays Derek. Yeah, that's yeah. true, yeah. But I mean, every line, even when he's a, a, a little guy, he's, I, mean, I don't know, that every time I just laugh at that guy. All the other ones, they, like, they all blend together, except for the big orange guy, obviously, because he's the dominant one. But like, <laughs> the little blue mm-hmm. guy, he's my favorite. It's a good call. It's a good call. All right. Todd, you're first on this one. The spider stick man. This is a controversial category. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, you. I mean, I, I guess you could all have to go with Pepe Le Pew because, I mean, that's like his whole thing. <laughs> I mean, he seduces women left and right. I mean, you never actually see him get it in this time, but I mean, he, his number he does, is heart. He does. Yeah, <laughs> that is true, and he does stink. That 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 could take away from him a little bit, but. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew. Mwah, two points. Which they had in the like that was like what was that a Nintendo game that we had that we were playing? It was it uh, yeah or or was it PlayStation? I don't remember. We had with that yeah, Space Jam game was like one of the best. Space Jam video game. That was the only way you could score with him. You couldn't actually shoot. All you could do is like alley oop it with two mwah, two points. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't the idea of getting points, but style points, horrible? Like, isn't yes. that appalling? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What, what, that's what, everything what world that's wrong that with in? That's everything NBA street these days. Street ball. That's where it exists. NBA street. Yeah, that's in, yeah. NBA street and, and NBA jam. That's what that was. Like, it's, it's more important that you break a guy's ankles than you actually score. Imagine trying to actually like tell that with a straight like Terry, you're a coach. Imagine trying to say that with a straight face to a to a team. It's not about getting the ball in the hoop. It's about style points. But That's I don't a think great you get message. the points unless you actually score. So it almost is like playing Tony Hawk or something. Like you have to actually land the move before all the other shit works. You know? Wasn't Tony Hawk originally gonna be in Space Jam 2? 
Isn't that what I read on Wikipedia? Yeah, I was gonna You mean like, he wasn't? I'm sure he was back there somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Just a, like skate jam or right, something. Right next, an avatar right, of him. Right. Oh, oh, I, I just realized an interesting callback to the first one. One of the first people you see standing behind Don Cheadle is the Danny DeVito version of the penguin, and Danny DeVito voiced the villain in in the first space jam. I'm going I with didn't it. realize that. Zach. Who's the stick man? Well, I was going to go with Charles Barkley. I kind of want to go with the the rapists from uh, the Clockwork Orange, but that's not funny. That's um, the wrong movie, too. <laughs> I, but, you know, Sir Charles has a legendary career, and I'm very interested in the Madonna line here because I remember leading him to this movie a couple of years earlier. Uh, Madonna was on the Letterman show where she gave the infamous... 25-minute uh, rambling um, interview where she swore a lot and was clearly drugged up, and she talked a lot about uh, her fondness for Charles Barkley. So I can't help but think about that uh, interview when when Charles talks about how uh, he, he is his comeuppances for uh, his relationship with Madonna. I don't know. I got nothing. You could also <laughs> say Bugs. Yeah, That's, bugs that was my one. pick. I was going Bugs because... He, he is the one at the end that lands the girl because he's the main character. Bugs Bunny's the main character of Space Jam. And he gets the girl. Second build, though. I he, think he more people know who, who Michael Jordan is than Bugs Bunny. Like, it's probably close, but I think more people know who Michael Jordan is. I think is. more kids today know who Wayne Knight is than Bugs Bunny. Yeah, the Looney Tunes are fairly irrelevant at this point, which is yeah, sad. They, they tried to make them all, like, lifelike and stuff. Like, oh. they're, like, like the animals in like Toy Story Four or something like that. Awful. No, like yeah, it looked terrible. It, it was as creepy also as the the new Rugrats. Which oh uh, yeah, which is but that's probably why they didn't have a whole lot of like normal Looney Tunes stuff because no one knows what the Looney Tunes are. Why are the why is there no more Looney Tunes stuff? They need to make bring back the show. Anyway, because are they done? either they're racist or they have speech impediments. Which yeah, is, neither of which are funny. Point. <laughs> it's a valid point. Um, Hashtag canceled. Yeah, they kind of have been. They're still fun. I, I, I just want. But then let's just bring back like Wiley Coyote, Speedy Gonzalez, and the Wiley Runner. Coyote. I think is the least problematic character. And well, yeah, he he, he is a, a a true star. I think he was actually he had the only funny moment in the in the sequel which is where they created the cloning <laughs> device and then they cloned yeah. a bunch of Wiley Coyotes. That, that was the, the one moment, moment in the movie that almost made me smile. Yeah. But that was at the, you know, the 7 hour and 40 mark. So you had to get through the first part. <laughs> and he's got the best part in the first one too. Nice kaboom Wiley when he blows up the basket right before they are right before they score. Uh, see that's a character that trans I think a lot of teenagers could relate to Wiley Coyote. Absolutely. And the and the, there's they nothing controversial about the Roadrunner. Let's have let's just have a Wiley and Roadrunner sketch every now and they then. They are kind of violent, but you know. Yeah. Well, you need Tweety Bird though. Yeah, speech, Tweety Bird. Speech impediment. A ableist. Uh, I do you know how many of them have speech, speech impediments? Impediment not All right. that bad. What what Sylvester, kind of Porky Pig, Elmer Fudd, Bugs? What the hell is is, is what, up with the plot twist? Where where it, the plot twist is? Oh, I designed the game. I can make your points count for me. I mean, what? That's like the stupidest plot twist ever. 
Yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah. Speaking of Bugs's voice, didn't you think his voice was terrible too? Like it was so clearly not Bugs's voice. Or they're just super old. It just it didn't it didn't sound right. And I realized, you know, the 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 guy who did it in Space Jam, Billy, whatever. Like, okay, he didn't want to sign on to the movie, obviously, but like, get someone better. Bugs is so is is like whiny and depressive. You know, he's like doing his impersonation of Rick Dalton in. Uh, Space Jam 2. It's just not good. All right. Billy Bat's douchebag. Uh, I'm going to go first. Jim Rome. I mean, yeah. Also, I mean, he's probably the favorite minor character, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's kind of the biggest. I mean, he, he made his whole career on being a douchebag. But it's, it's right after Michael says everyone was really nice about how bad I was. And then, and then he has to listen to Jim Rome say, Baseball bat, get this guy a tennis racket. <laughs> I mean, it, it's. Just... I know golf is your sport, but not here. <laughs> this one hurts me more than it hurts you. Oh, you, and that was back when, like, that Jim that was Rome was like starting Fox Sports. Yeah, yeah. That, that that this was this was him at his at his height and his and his most brutal. Like, I don't even know if anyone knew who Jim Rome was when he showed up on Space Jam. But, Probably not. It's probably, yeah, like when Adam Schefter was in Longest Yard with with Chris Berman. You're like, I didn't know well, who that was until like a decade later. <laughs> <laughs> well, was this before? Schefter's in Longest Yard. I didn't. Yeah. I need to watch that again. Was this before or after the Jim Everett interview? That's the real. That's the real answer to that question. I'm sure oh. it was before, right? That was that had to be late '90s, right? I don't know. I don't know. All right, Todd, douchebag. Uh, well, that was my choice, too. I mean, the other obvious choice is Swackhammer, uh, the Danny DeVito character, because, yeah. I mean, it's almost self-explanatory. He's the villain of the movie, and he he steals the talent from the NBA players, and uh, he's like, why didn't you get that guy? <laughs> oh, he's a baseball player. Doesn't look like a baseball player to me. He's like, he's an, Yeah, he's an asshole and a douchebag. Perfect Danny DeVito. He was also uh, in contention for highest war. Yeah, it's hard to see anybody else voicing that character. Zach? You must, they must have gone to Danny DeVito for the sequel, right? Because everyone knows Danny DeVito still today. Like, mm -hmm. that, you know, that would have been a great cameo. They had a Rick and Morty cameo. I mean, but... Rick Dan and freaking Morty! Danny DeVito is a wise <sighs> man. Anyway, I went with Brandy the dog because... The dog eats the shorts. And, it's Charles, uh, not Brandy. Oh, uh, Charles sorry. Is the pig wrong, pig. wrong movie. <laughs> and and once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking. Well, it's because I'm reading the book. It's all. I, it's all I can think about anymore. And yeah, sorry. Um, okay, uh, Charles the dog is a douche because uh, I don't know. He runs after the tunes and he's gnawing on uh, Michael's shorts. I want to know, like, how did he get in there? Like, if these are game worn shorts that are there for nostalgic, you know reasons uh because you know michael jordan is paranoid or whatever like that's a big you know, it's pretty uh sloppy to have the dog just run in there and i don't know get out the shorts i'm gonna say his name is charles because he might be the strongest dog of all time and he's very very small just like charles barkley charles barkley was like a six foot four power forward because this tiny yeah. little bulldog knocks over a six foot six michael jordan uh, yeah. When he's walking up up to the front door, 
and the little aliens see Charles, they're like, wow, he's big. And I'm like, no, he's not. No, <laughs> he's not. He's one of the shortest guys on the court. <laughs> Uh, all right. What's the best scene in Space Jam, Zach? I think it's the opening sequence, opening title sequence. Mm. We've already mentioned it, but that was fantastic. I mean, that was a great sort of summary of Michael's career up to that point. It's got great music on it. It's got great typeface. It's edited like precisely. It tells you everything you need to know about Michael. It's a great, it gets you in, in excited and, and energized and, and ready to watch the movie. Great, great opening sequence. And, and um, I know this, the, the sequel, of course, had a sequence, but, uh, but uh, very few kids' movies now, very few movies, period, have opening title sequences. And uh, it's one of, my, one of my cardinal rules of life is if a movie has an opening title sequence, it's probably a good movie, unless it's called Space Jam A New Legacy. They put in the oh, in that montage the "I'm taking to my talents to South Beach" moment. Oh, yeah, like what? Yeah, that was a that was a great <laughs> highlight. Right. <sighs> yeah, but the opening to Space Jam, uh, yeah, uh, it's like the the song. Obviously, like it starts and you're just like you're you're in the movie already. And like I always wanted to go out in in the middle of the night and shoot hoops because I knew no one would bother me. Like that was always like a dream of mine because of this. I wanted to go to North Carolina because of this movie and. Like it leads into like the the montage of Michael Jordan and stuff with the Space Jam theme. I think those are cooler montages than there were in any of the Last Dance. And yeah, I mean, plus that scene has the 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 one main cop from Fast and the Furious, like as the dad. And, uh, <laughs> I noticed that too. Yeah, I mean, it's one of North my Carolina's favorite scenes of the nineties. Fine school. Nostalgic <laughs> purposes, yeah. Baseball, that's a fine sport. That's a real fine sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Instead, we get Julius from Remember the Titans as LeBron's yeah. AAU coach. Um, <laughs> all right, Todd, what's your best scene? I mean, I have two that I'm thinking about. You go first. You'll probably choose one of the other two. Okay. Well, mine, I'm going to go with, um, probably not. I'm going with the uh, the NBA player What's Wrong With Me montage. Because I find the five of them so fascinating. And that's one of the things, watching them back to back, that I love about the first one that the second one had nothing to do with. And that is the rest of the NBA. I mean, we already talked about how Charles is great. You've got that great moment with Patrick about, you know, are you having problems with performance in other places? You've got you've got the the dichotomy of Sean Bradley talking about going back to being a missionary to Muggsy Bogues <laughs> taking up half the couch. and then then you have uh you you have them at at the um at the fortune teller lady's place and talking about how she sees bugs bunny in her crystal ball uh larry johnson has a great moment in there too i mean they're more dynamic than anything michael jordan does and it's it's great but but it works how it is and you know it's it's better than michael jordan way better than lebron james and Pete Conrad. But, um, yeah. All right. Well, the two that I had, one I thought for sure you're going with is the golfing scene. because Oh, well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's scene. just classic, classic stuff. I mean, Bill doing his thing. He's posing way too long. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's trying to, like, convince both of them that he's the future of the NBA. And <laughs> it's just awesome. And, of course, Larry's not white. Larry's clear. In, in Larry's his, clear. Um, his umbrella yeah. hat. And and LeBron is or not LeBron? Michael is of course like betting on this. Like he's like, <laughs> of course, because it's, it's, it's MJ. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it's a great scene. The other one is is Larry. Carl's... Larry's six inches from the pin, and he bets on who's going to be closer. <laughs> Close to the pin. I'll take some of that. Yeah, yeah. Of course you will, Larry. That was the best shot I ever hit. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is Charles playing with the this playing street ball with the girls because oh, like yeah. basketball Jones like I can't hear that song without thinking of that scene. It's kind of a heartbreaking scene too because Charles sells it, and that's why he's the best actor in the movie. <laughs> like I, I I love that scene, and and really is emotionally affecting, which it should not be. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear basketball Jones, I think of Shirley MacLaine trying to seduce uh, Chance the Gardener. A chance in the, rapper in, in the back of the limousine and being there. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that's being there. Oh, being there. I haven't seen being there. This is, I think that's the only time I've ever heard this song. All right. Um, I think we're going to skip the if there were a sequel. Question. Oh, I have one. Oh, you have one. Okay. okay. So what, what if they lost? Then that would create a whole nother thing where you could have those current NBA players that you were talking about. Going there to challenge the Monstars to free Michael Ooh. to save the NBA because they needed help in the mid nineties. I think that would have been really interesting. Interesting. I think another sequel could have been that that uh, the Toon Squad and uh, Michael fight a team led by Kazam, played by Shaq. <laughs> yeah, crossover. You needed a Shaq appearance in this. Yeah. Well, Shaq was busy doing Kazam. Yeah. Or even in the sequel. I mean, why is it why is it Ernie and Lil Rel? Why couldn't it be Ernie and Charles? Why couldn't it be like the whole TNT crew? Because I mean, obviously, obviously Charles knows better. Charles yeah. is <laughs> <Yes>. standards. <laughs> but they even play like the TNT like basketball music. They obviously had control have control of TNT put put the whole inside the NBA crew calling the game have you Ernie, Shaq, Kenny and Charles have you ever seen the uh, all time NBA draft that Charles did with Steve Kerr and uh, 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 Reggie Miller no and uh, okay do you know what I'm talking about Todd I don't know but it sounds uh, awesome okay so it, I, you gotta watch it it's great it's um uh steve kerr is there uh uh kevin McHale is there reggie miller is there so there's six of them and they they have a draft for the greatest players in nba history charles gets the first pick who do you think he goes with charles barkley no (laughs) (laughs) what wilt he goes with alan iverson and the whole rest of the broadcast, it, they ball bust him for going with Alan <laughs> Iverson. <laughs> like it's 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 just a all ball bust. It's the whole rest of the draft. It's not even worth watching to see who they pick. It's just making fun of Chuck for picking Alan Iverson number one. Oh gosh, you got to watch it. It's that's amazing. Oh, by the way, that reminds me. You crapped on Uncle Drew earlier. That's actually a really good movie. Yeah, it's Uncle fun. Drew's not bad. There's nothing wrong. Uncle with Drew's fun. It makes this, fun. it ma- it makes Uncle Drew look really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what reminded me is you mentioned Reggie Miller, and Reggie Miller's really funny in Uncle Drew. Yeah, All right, Kyrie should have been in this, or then the been the new one. Yeah, that would have made sense. Okay, 
any flaws, outdated conspiracy theories? This is always a good spot. Conspiracy theories. Anybody no, have any? Theory. I don't have any. Uh, well, I mean, I have some stuff I just want to talk about. Okay, yeah, go so for when, it. If you if you lose your talent, that should not affect your ability to drink a water bottle. And so Larry, <laughs> Larry Johnson, like borderline LVP for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's also not consistent because Charles is able to catch the ball when he's playing with the girls, but Patrick just lets him hit him in the face. I noticed there's, that too. <laughs> there's no consistency there. And uh, uh, the main flaw I've always had with the movie is Michael obviously should have gotten three points for the final shot, not two, because mm. he doesn't touch the rim. That was a three-point shot. That wasn't a dunk. Um, also, his dad in the opening scene said that uh, he woke the whole house up because he was playing basketball, and it's after midnight, but he's wearing slacks and a button-down shirt. I mean, you don't wear that to bed. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Um, one thing that ages the best is the uh, the Daffy and Bugs are like talking about basically like the name, image, image and likeness uh, kind of thing. Like when they're like, have you ever seen anything from those like T-shirts and lunch boxes with your name on it and your and your face on it? And they're like, no, man, not a not a good not call. A <laughs> like it's totally like exactly what we're talking about still today. I also think Patrick Ewing looks a lot like Carl Weathers, and he sounds like him too. He totally would play him in a movie. <laughs> I also, I also love the old basketball footage that they show the aliens when they're talking about yes. basketball, because they're like, "This is how it's done in the professional ranks." And then there's like this like lunging half court shot, <laughs> which it's like I don't know, it, it doesn't look like basketball at all. But I mean, it's it's just beautiful footage. I, I want to know where they got that. It had to be some like high school footage from the fifties. Um, Norman Dale's team, Hickory yeah. High. Yep. Yep. I uh, I also think the Looney Tunes, especially Bugs, should have said at some point to Michael that he didn't really get a hole in one, that he helped him, because that would have been a really emotional moment for Michael, and he would have had to go to Larry and Bill and break it to him that he did not win that bet. That would have been amazing, and I bet Michael would have signed on for that shit. No, too. the way they should have done it is Bugs should have told Bill when he came down after the game, or Daffy because he's the one that talks to him. Oh, there we go. There we go. Instead of like, how'd you get here? Uh, like, it should have been like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Michael did not win that bet. <laughs> that would have been great. And, and Bill, Bill's also wearing this hat, like during the game and in the last scene. I was always wondering what it looked, what it was. I looked it up, and it's from the St. Paul Saints, which is a minor league baseball team that he was the owner of at the time. <laughs> oh, I was, like, I was yes. wondering what that was. I think it was a double A team that he that he was like part owner of in, in Chicago. It didn't look That's like hilarious. it didn't look like it was a language. It looked like it was just <laughs> scribble. I, yeah, yeah. I, I looked. I mean, that, that apparently what was what it was, and he probably did that for his own promotional purposes. All right, I, I actually have two flaws. Uh, the first one is uh, the game between the the Suns and the Knicks. That is obviously not Madison Square Garden, and they didn't really do a whole lot to try and make it look like it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, shout out to Patricia Heaton and Dan Castellaneta. We haven't brought them up yet, because that's a great scene there. Um, before anybody knew who Patricia Heaton was, and I don't know if anyone yeah. knew who Dan Castellaneta was, uh, even though everyone knew his voice. And then uh, the other flaw was uh, Michael Jordan's minor league coach for the Birmingham Barons was Terry Francona. And even though nobody knew who that was at the time, he totally has enough charisma to have actually played his coach. And so I That's wanted to see call. Terry Francona actually be his coach in those scenes. 
That is a great call. I like it. He would have been great. <laughs> Looks great in that jersey. Can't teach that. Can't teach it. <laughs> Good cut. Good cut. Uh, all right, Zach, do you have anything? The only thing I was going to mention that we have to mention is R. Kelly. I mean, if you're going to take out Pepe Le Pew, I guess you have to take out the R. Kelly song. It does remind me, though, that R. Kelly was the inspiration for one of the greatest Saturday Night Live sketches of the last five years, which is when Kenan Thompson was R. Kelly and Leslie Jones was Gail. Did you see that one, Terry? And oh, he's like, I don't know if I did. you need to refer to me as victim. And No, I didn't. Oh, you keep your cameras out in the open like that? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, yeah, it, that's a great sketch. No, sorry, that was a tangent, but R. Kelly. However, R. Kelly did provide us with like the most comedic piece of cinema ever, and that's trapped in the closet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, so that sort of, thing sort of is like ridiculous. watching, uh, you know, Bobo and Rubenside, sort of like being trapped in a closet. Oh, oh. Have you watched it yet, Todd? Yeah, it was awful. Absolutely <laughs> 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 unwatchable. It was not as bad as Space Jam and you know, a legacy, though, right? On no. a whole, you'd rather watch Bo Burnham Inside than Space Jam New Legacy. Yeah, unfortunately, I would. <laughs> I'm never going to remember the title of that movie. It's Space Jam 2. That that's Yeah, that was another thing they messed up. Yeah, it's Space Jam 2. All right. Okay, uh, LVP, MVP, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. Todd, go ahead. Uh, the LVP is, of course, uh, Brad William Hankey as the star's catcher because he's just blatantly <laughs> cheating. Like, I mean, there's no room for that. Even in minor league baseball, it's just bad. I mean, don't they have a trash can? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would think that that'd be an easier way to tell him. <laughs> don't but... swing. <laughs> yeah, the, the umpire had to be had to hear him. He was pretty loud. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Uh, and the MVP, I was going to say R. Kelly because the opening song is the most amazing like opening to any any 90s movie. Like that 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 gets me in the mood. Like that that is the movie to me is I believe I can fly and R. Kelly's provided us with that. So what you're saying is that the opening to this movie does to you what the opening of Speed does to me. Yes. Except I Great don't care about Asia. what the titles look like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get I don't I don't get that reaction from the word Space Jam in like you know clip art title <laughs> cards like in Space Speed. Fair point. Uh, well, I'll go next because my MVP is just the whole soundtrack, and uh, that that soundtrack is just it, it's great. Sealed redid, I believe, or uh, Fly Like an Eagle. Is that yeah? Is that yeah, I think I think so, and it, it's just. It's just awesome that just the whole soundtrack. I mean, with, uh, from Space Jam to Basketball Jones to to I believe I can fly. Uh, I mean, all of them are. Ju it's just pure gold. That whole soundtrack and nothing from the new one is memorable in any way in terms of the soundtrack. So that was another problem I had with that one. LVP. I, I've got I've got two things written down here. First, I've got Stan because he's just horrible in so many ways. And uh, the fact that he digs up an entire golf green and the dude, dude 
takes it for I'm fixing a divot. So he's horrible. And the other the other LVP is Bill Murray, uh, because uh, what and actually I'm going to say Bill Murray and Larry Bird, because they just watched Michael Jordan disappear down a hole and they just drive away. <laughs> and, he, was, and like, he was getting away from that Stan character. That Stan yeah. character. Yeah, he's pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and because he, he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to give us both twos on that hole. We were in no condition to putt. I mean, that's not how you play golf. Come on, Emotional man. state. Yeah. <laughs> we're no emotional state to putt. That's a, that, was, that was a great quote. I mean, I, and we can all relate to that. <laughs> we can, but it made him horrible. So there you go. All right. Uh, Zach, LVP, MVP. Uh, LVP of this is LeBron James for reasons we've already talked about. MVP is Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was clearly the inspiration for a lot of this movie, even right down to Lola Bunny being some sort of descendant of Jessica Rabbit. And I think mm-hmm. if you're going to make your movie based on something, Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit is a better choice than Ready Player One or Hook. Or anything else that they decided to try and rip off. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap this up. Quote of the day time. Strawberries. Not the cheese. Womack. With a little sex in it. Quote of the day. And Todd, you're first. Okay. I mean, I was just going to choose a quote from this movie. We've quoted some of them, but I quote this movie all the damn time. Like, she was wide open. You know, throws it to the old lady, but like the one, one that I, I mean, I love Daffy. He's just like, "Mommy, I don't want to go to school today. I want to stay home and bake cookies with you." And for some reason, I've quoted that a lot in my life too. This movie is my childhood. I mean, when whenever anybody does something cool, nice kaboom, Wiley. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) That that's me when I when I see a good golf shot. Like every time this. Exactly what comes in my head. <laughs> and, and and whenever whenever somebody pops up that we didn't know was in a movie, like a, any cameo, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. I mean, that pops up in my head every time, every time. Yep. All right. Zach, what do you got? Uh, we've already quoted this a little bit, but I'll just say it. Uh, my favorite quote comes from Sean Bradley, who says, I've got other skills. I could go back and work on the farm or maybe... I could go back to the jungle and be a missionary again. I mean, I think we're underrating Sean Bradley's acting chops because to say that line with a straight face and uh, to actually be believable is pretty impressive. I don't think he's got any more guys. <laughs> well, and, and and I mean, everybody else loses their talent and they like you know can't dribble anymore or they can't catch the ball. Sean Bradley can't walk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's walking like he was on the moon. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so my quotes, I've got two quotes here. <clears throat> and both are related to the trip I just took. Nothing to do with what we just talked about. One of them I already already texted Todd about. So our, our, uh, our tour guide in Washington, D.C., his name was Nate. Shout out to Nate. He might be listening. I gave him the, the podcast and everything. We talked a lot about movies. His favorite movie of all time is Aliens, by the way. And he was telling me about uh, when he was a kid, him and his dad were trying to convince his mom to let him go see Alien 3 when he was a little kid. And the way they did it, he said, uh, this is how we did it. We told her Alien 3 is just a more mature version of E.T. 
and 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 that convinced and that convinced his mom to let him go see it and she was really mad when she found out that it wasn't yeah uh, so there's that and the second quote i have is actually quoting benjamin franklin uh because when we went to philadelphia i found i found some good stuff and my my new coaster here that my beer has been sitting on the whole time is, is this lovely coaster that has a benjamin franklin quote that says beer is living proof that god loves us and wants us to be happy so cheers i have respect for beer <laughs> way better than Pete conrad way better than Pete conrad all right with that we're going to draw this podcast to a close. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Find us all over the internet. Check us out at almostsideways.com. We'll be back at you next week with another episode. Until then, have fun watching movies, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.